Hi, everyone. It's Brittany, your host with Give Me Hope podcast. Well, I've missed you guys. I've taken a little bit of a break, probably about a month long break. Um, Life has just been a little crazy lately. I started back to school, um, but we're back and hopefully going to get more consistent and regular with our episodes. Um, We've had three amazing guests so far, and I really appreciate you guys listening to their stories with Wanda, Debbie, and Brent. If you haven't listened to their stories yet, they are amazing. Please listen to them. They will be up on season one on either Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcast, whatever your platform is. Well, since we've last recorded an episode, things have kind of went crazy in the world. Um, There's so much going on right now when it comes... You know, even to Tennessee, we had, you know, disastrous flooding in Waverly, Tennessee, um, not too long ago. Um, We've had everything going on in Afghanistan. Um, We've had, you know, Hurricane Ida that just hit New Orleans. Um, Then we have, of course, COVID, which seemed to be, you know, dissipating a little bit. And now it's getting worse. So there's just been so much go on in the past few weeks, it seems like, few months. And Things have been hard. It's been really discouraging and sad and and just really wanted to do an uplifting podcast. Um, This will be a little bit different from the other episodes. The other episodes have been about struggles and overcoming the struggles. And while this one may have some struggles, this is going to be more of an upbeat, you know, positive episode today. So our guest today is my friend Frank. Frank has been my friend for a few years now. Um, he moved here from Texas with him and his family, him and his daughter Suzanne and her husband Robert. They moved here and I began cleaning their house and a few years ago and we have been friends ever since. They moved from, is it Houston, Texas? Is that right? Yeah. Houston, Texas. And we have been friends and family, you know, ever since. And our families are very close and he's just very special to me. Um, Frank is going to be talking about what it's like to live to be 92 today. So Frank is 92 years old. He turned 92. It was May 18th? 17th. 17th. May 17th. So he's going to tell us about living to be 92. Um, You know, living to be 92 is a blessing in itself. Um, And he's going to be sharing his life with us. Um, I'm going to ask him about some moments in his life. And he'll share what it has like, what it has been like to live on this earth for this long. Um, and he's going to offer advice, and we'll have questions. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And I'll go ahead and let you guys meet Frank. And if you want, you can introduce yourself, and you can tell us if you want. We can start from the beginning. <laughs> Just tell us about where you were born, your early years, like your parents, your family, that kind of stuff. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> my, my name is Frank L. Berry. I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, in May 17, 1929. <laughs> my father was a machinist for the railroad in Salt Lake City, and in 33, he had a vacation coming, and his brother that lived in Texas that ran racehorses and had a nightclub, invited the family down to live for a month with him. Well, while we were there, my uncle talked my dad into going to work for him. So we moved to San Antonio, Texas, 
and I have never been back to Salt Lake City since then. <laughs> we moved to San Antonio, like I say, my dad worked with my uncle, and they were out of town quite a bit. My uncle had racehorses and a, a, a nightclub, and after a couple of years, uh, my father branched out and got his own club in San Antonio, and uh, he ran that club until uh, the war broke out, and uh, he uh, sold his club and went to work for the shipyard in Houston, and the shipyard, uh, they got word that the Naval Air Station was opening in Corpus, so he transferred to the Naval Air Station in Corpus, and in 1942, during that summer, we moved to Corpus and started our schoolwork down there. Uh, while we were in San Antonio, we moved quite a lot. I have no reason why, <laughs> but I went to three different elementary schools, one of them twice. Then I graduated and went to Thomas Page junior high school, and it was Thomas Page junior high school where I was introduced to team sports, and I fell in love with them. I like to play everything, <laughs> and in, in San Antonio, everybody had a chance to play because they classified you A and B in football or A, B, and C uh, in uh, basketball and uh, track and softball. So I was very small at that time, and I uh, played every sport and really enjoyed it. Oh. Then we moved to Corpus, and I got a big setback because in Corpus, they only had one team at each school. And being very small, uh, I wasn't able to play anything. I sat out a whole year and oh. became a little bit of a problem to my mother and father because there wasn't anything for me to do. But in the ninth grade, I had grown a little bit, so I went out for the football team, and we had a real good football team that time. There were three junior high schools in Corpus at that time, and we played each other twice, and then we played a team from the high school two times, and whoever had the most wins won the city championship. Well, we uh, we beat the other two junior high schools, and in the championship game against Northside, I caught a touchdown pass and won the oh, ball my. game, and that was the highlight of my junior high school year. Oh. During that time, I developed two heroes. Oh. One was Lou Gehrig, the pride of the Yankees, uh, and I always wanted to be uh, a first baseman. Oh. And when we were still living in San Antonio, my dad traveled up north and uh, the uh, running going to the racetracks, they had those during the day and then they had night baseball, and he went to the night baseball games, and he fell in love with a catcher named Mickey Cochran. Oh. And so I, to appease my dad, uh, Mickey Cochran became 
one of my heroes. In <laughs> fact, the first book I ever owned was Lou Gehrig, Pride of the Yankees. My mother bought it for me for my birthday. Oh, how old were you then? Ah, I guess I was uh, 13 or 14. 13 or 14. And can you tell me kind of what your what your parents were like as people? Well, my mother in San Antonio worked for my dad in his cafe. But oh. when we moved to Corpus, uh, he didn't have the cafe, and she became very involved in PTA work and oh. just taking care of the house and uh, seemed okay. to enjoy it a whole lot. And uh, she became a radio idea with uh, the soap operas that were on oh. the radio. <laughs> and we'd come home and she'd be crying and tell us something that had happened on Pepper <laughs> Young's family or old stuff. Oh. <laughs> Some one of those stories. So That's uh, funny. She was really tied up in, uh, in uh, PTA <laughs> at that time. Okay. Uh, and what was your father like? My father was a machinist, and he worked hard. Oh. And uh, when he worked during the day, he came home at night. If he uh, felt like it, he wanted to go fishing because we oh. just lived two weeks, two blocks from the bay. And we'd come in, and uh, off we go fishing. Like <laughs> and I didn't like it because I was just say, say just getting involved in sports and. Uh, I was so disappointed one day. <laughs> my dad came home and said, I have a surprise for you. And I thought, oh, boy, you bought me a ball glove. <laughs> oh. The surprise turned out to be a rod and reel. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was really broken hearted, but I had to act uh, very happy with oh. it. And, uh, and after about uh, six weeks, he came home one day and told me, he said, I got some bad news for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, one of his friends wanted to buy my rod and reel. Oh, and I, oh I tried to act disappointed. Oh. <laughs> I said, well, okay, you can sell to me if you want to. Well, I was free to play a ball a little bit more then. Okay. And uh, about six weeks later, he came home and said, uh, I got another surprise for you. I said, uh-oh, <laughs> now I got the ball glove. <laughs> he got me a bigger <laughs> Oh no! And, and I was really disappointed about that. That but, is uh, so funny. <laughs> then we went to, to high school, and mm -hmm. I was still relatively small uh, when we went to high school. And the high school had uh, four teams. Mm -hmm. in, in, they had the varsity, the B team, the BB team, and the nubs. Now, the nubs, the ones that I told you about, wore, played the junior high school. Okay. Well, I started high school in January, mm -hmm. midterm, and got there in time for spring practice in football, and I was stationed in the nubs. Okay. And, uh, oh, we had a coach that was tough. Uh, Name was Snuffy Creighton. Snuffy. And, uh, <laughs> Snuffy Creighton. Was that his real name, Snuffy? No, uh, his name was Jay, but everybody called him Snuffy. The kids in school, everybody in town knew him as Snuffy Creighton. Oh, that's funny. Well, during the the summer, I grew a little bit. So when we started back to school in the, in September, 
they reclassified all of the football players, put them on different teams. And mm -hmm. uh, since I'd been there for that spring practice, I was promoted to the B team. Okay. And uh, the B team played uh, six games that year. Mm -hmm. And we uh, won four and lost two. And then our big game at the end of the season, we played the Nubs for the <laughs> championship of one. I don't know. But uh, we beat the Nubs oh, and were really elated with that. The first, what you might say, championship team, uh, Plato. Uh, then we changed coaches in high school, got a new coach in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the last three years in high school, I did play on the varsity. Got oh. to play a little bit each time. I scored a touchdown the first year. I scored uh, eight touchdowns the second year. And in my senior year, I scored uh, 94 points, one point shy, one touchdown shy of 100. I'm 100, that's and, great. Uh, while I was a senior in high school, I developed a, a very strict work ethic. Uh, do what you're told to do and mm -hmm. do it right, and uh, you'll come out okay. Well, when uh, I was a senior, I had the coaches from Baylor and from Rice come to Corpus to visit me about getting a scholarship. Wow. And I had just about decided on Baylor when my high school coach was given a college job at a new university in Corpus. And without asking me, he put in the paper that I was going out there with him. Oh, so wow. I never heard another word from Cor Baylor or Rice. Oh, so no. I had to go to the University of Corpus Christi. Well, okay. that summer, I had one of the best jobs that I have ever had. Mm -hmm. I was working as a geologist assistant for Humble Oil Company. Oh, cool. And we were paid a dollar and a quarter an hour. Oh, <laughs> big a, money. Yes, uh, time and a half for overtime and wow. double time for all over uh, 40 hours. Oh. So uh, we really made a lot of money. Um, yeah. We worked six days and off three. And if you could get all six of your days in one week, you uh, had a good paycheck. Oh, well, I bet. And yeah. that was a lot of money then. Yeah. Well, it really was. That's and, really uh, good. So when we started the college, Naturally, I went to Corpus Christi. There wasn't any place else for me. And uh, mm -hmm. I played football on that team. I was a starter as a freshman. Oh. In fact, we started eight freshmen on that ball. What club. position did you play? I played wooden back and tailback. Okay. And uh, we, uh, we, had, we started eight freshmen on that ball club. And we still won three games that year. Oh, that's and great. That was a kind of bad, not a bad decision for us with everything mm -hmm. like that. But I wasn't real happy at the school. <laughs> uh, uh, we were mostly uh, had uh, 
800 stu- uh, 400 students in school and 200 of them were freshmen. So we didn't have a lot to look forward to. So oh, that's true. during the Christmas holiday that year, I would, uh, my mother and father had moved to San Antonio. And so I went to San Antonio for the Christmas holidays. And my oldest brother was down from Memphis, Tennessee, where oh. he went to college. And he asked me how I liked school, and I told him I did not like it at all, <laughs> and that I was fixing to quit. Oh. And he said, well, what were you? What are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. And he said, well, let me tell you. I'll go back to Memphis. There, Memphis is just starting their football program back after the war, mm-hmm. and I'll go in and talk to the coaches and see if they'd be interested in you coming up there. So he went back to uh, Memphis and uh, talked to the coaches, I guess, because I got a phone call from him and said, if you can get up here right away, the coaches said they'll give you a trial scholarship. Oh, okay. And they'll you in school for a quarter. And if we were on the quarter system at that time, mm-hmm. and said if you make the ball club, then they will give you a full scholarship. Oh, so I went up and I, the, we were supposed to start football practice February the sixth, mm-hmm. and at that day there were six inches of snow on the football. Oh, <laughs> so we oh. had to postpone it for a week till the snow got off. Yes, and then when the uh, Finally got out on the field. I went out the first day, and we, a bunch of us were just standing around out there, uh, pitching the football around a little bit. And the head coach, Ralph Hatley, came out on the field and hollered, 10 fast ones. Oh. <laughs> and I looked at the other guy, and I said, what did he say? He said, 10 fast ones. I said, what does he mean by that? They said, 10 fast laps. Well, I oh. didn't run laps, and we didn't run laps in high school all the time I was there. So I said, oh, yeah. So I was oh. about three, and I was ready to quit. I said, I didn't come up here to run four <laughs> I was ready to go. Well, just about the time I was ready to head inside, he called my name out. And uh, he called, uh, there were four of us he called out. He got us over there throwing the football back and mm-hmm. forth and looking and watching is how we did it. Well, my hands were rather small mm-hmm. and uh, I had trouble holding on to the football. And so my coach, my high school coach asked me, how do you hold it? And I said, well, just like everybody else, I put my fingers on the lace. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, your thumb is slipping. Why don't you give your thumb something to hold on to? So I put my thumb on the lace oh, and was okay. passing that way. Memphis State saw that, and they didn't like it. Oh, they didn't like <laughs> so it. They didn't like it. They never seen anybody throw like that. So, <laughs> and I threw a little bit sidearm. Okay. And so they uh, tried to correct that, but uh, didn't have a whole lot of luck. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Uh, I made the ball club. Oh, that's great. So and, they uh, paid for your school, then you got your scholarship. Yes, I got it. Nice. And, uh, and you were going to quit school. You no, didn't have a plan, but thanks to your brother, he got you the idea to go to Memphis. Yes. And so during the summer, I had to stay in Memphis 
and go to summer school to uh, make enough credits to be eligible because I had played the year in Corpus and brought no credit credits whatsoever. Okay. So, uh, while I was there, I worked on the maintenance crew and went to school in the morning and the maintenance crew in the afternoon. And how old were you when you were doing that, working for the maintenance crew and going to school? 19 and 20. See, that's a young work ethic yeah. right there already starting. You sacrificed your summers. Well, to I, there. I had, to, had to do something to keep in school. So yes. uh, I worked pretty hard at the, oh. the summer school because I wasn't a top student. I was just mediocre, and I had to put it out to get some uh, credit for it. That's great. So, uh, and that shows if you try, even if you're not naturally able to do A's, if you try, it you works out. <laughs> if you have a goal, work for it. Work yes. for it, try to reach it. Yes. Well, then in, the, in the fall, when we started practice, I got a couple of kind of uh, disappointments in the way. When uh, they started passing out game uniforms, Mm -hmm. I was the last one to get one. Oh, no. Then, when we got ready to travel, when they called out the traveling uniform, uh, traveling team, I was the last one to be oh. And I was kind of shaky there. I didn't know what was going on. Did that worry you? It really did. Maybe you say, I'm going to show you guys you're wrong. Right. So, uh, the first game that season, we played Ole Miss, and uh, – Ole Miss used the two platoon system, and Memphis didn't have enough players. We used the one platoon system. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the third quarter, Ole Miss had us 13 to 6. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the game, the score was 40 to 6. Oh, My wow. Our old boys just wore completely out, and Memphis was getting fresh students, mm -hmm. players in there all the time. So the next week, we practiced twice a day uh, in developing a two-platoon system and dividing mm -hmm. the players up who would be who and who would be where. And uh, the next game was at, the, at Tampa University in Tampa, Florida. Oh. Well, I uh, made the traveling team a little bit further, closer to the top. That <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so uh, I made up my mind that if they gave me an opportunity, I would show them that I could play football. That's great. And little by little, you yeah. showed them. That's yeah. great. So uh, we went down to Tampa, and we caught uh, Tampa. I don't know if it was a down week or if they weren't any good at all, but we beat Tampa 70 to 6. Oh, wow. And uh, I didn't play at all in the first quarter, mm -hmm. but in the second half, uh, we got the game started and uh, scored a touchdown. Had, Coach Hadley took me, looked at me and said, uh, you're an extra point. I was an extra point. He said, go ahead and kick the extra point. Well, mm -hmm. I went in and missed it. Oh. <laughs> and uh, felt kind of dejected about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next time we got a Scored touchdown. He said, "Go in and kick the extra point." Well, I missed it. Oh. And he, I came off the field, and he looked at me and he said, "I thought you were an extra point kicker." Mm -hmm. I said, "I am, coach, but 
But I've been sitting on the bench. I haven't played at all. And I was cold when I was in there. Yeah, you didn't get to get warmed up. <laughs> he said, you haven't played? And I said, no. He said, well, next time we get the ball, you go in the tailback mm -hmm. and run the ball so you score. Mm -hmm. And I said, fine, and then you so <laughs> It took us about four or five plays mm -hmm. to score. And then I kicked that extra ball. Oh, good. So you told him. You had to tell him. <laughs> yeah, so oh. In the, uh, uh, and were you playing the same position, same yeah. Tailback. Tailback, okay. And I don't even know what that is, but you know what? <laughs> Memphis State ran the single wing, and uh, that's where I played. Okay. So later on in that ball game, I, I intercepted three passes oh. and turned two of them into touchdowns. Oh, that's so great. I ended the day with 19 points oh. out of 70 we scored. That's so great. I felt pretty good about that, and I think that. I got a little idea that I could play football. Yes. <laughs> so, excuse me, the next week, we went to St. Louis to play Washington University. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, uh, in the first quarter, our wing back got hit in the back of the head mm -hmm. with a knee, and he started having convulsions on the field. Oh, no. And they took him off the field on that uh, stretcher, and I've mm -hmm. never had seen that before. And that kind of opened my eyes, got a little worried. Yeah, of what could happen, the yeah, dangers. In the second quarter, my, uh, our uh, starting tailback was playing safety, and he made a tackle and knocked his shoulder down. Oh, wow. So they had to take him out of the ball game. Oh. And Coach Hatley looked at me and said, you get in there tailback. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already seen two players <laughs> off the field. Get hurt, so yeah. When I went in, we ran the ball. We ran the fullback up the middle. We threw a pass. We ran a reverse. And I found out they weren't as tough as they looked. Right. And so uh, I was, wasn't afraid to carry the ball. Well, I scored two more touchdowns. Oh, that that's great. Game. And uh, I was at, uh, after three ball games, I scored 33 points. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, I started from then on. Every, mm -hmm. And uh, in 1949 and 50, I did not, Memphis State did not lose a game that I started at Oh, that's uh, great. So, uh, I was pretty so that was all you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you showed them. Yeah. You showed so, them, and they were the last one. You were the last one to get your jersey, and then you got it. I bet they didn't make you the last one anymore after that. <laughs> I, beat, I moved on up pretty quick. That's great. Well, let me ask you this. Um, What? What did you study? What kind of degree did you get in college? I know I, I know, but studied health and physical education. Okay. With a minor in social studies. Okay. So, uh, and you went on to become a coach. A coach. And a teacher. And a teacher. And teacher. Well, uh, what did you teach? Different things. Physical education mainly, but I taught American history, world oh. history, civics. Uh, anything they needed along the line. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Yeah. We had some coaches like that at our school that taught, you know, different classes. Yeah. Did you like teaching? I wasn't really excited about it, but I did <laughs> the best I could. I tried to set me up 
a schedule that I was going to work by, and I mm-hmm. became kind of a, a schedule oriented at that time. Is that I where was, that began from? Yes, that started the whole thing off. Oh, right? so that's and, nice. And you still are schedule oriented today. Oh, Let me tell you. Extremely. <laughs> uh, I have. I give up. Uh, everything has to fall in place. I'll tell you more about that later. Yes, <laughs> every morning. Yeah, it has to be. Um, and let me ask you another question I was wondering, and this goes back to like high school, but since you were a football player, I have to ask, this is kind of funny, were you popular in high school? <laughs> I didn't take time to be popular. Which you didn't take time. Oh. I was not a ladies' man. Were you not? Oh, I didn't well, know because the football players usually. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny when the, uh, I told you that year in junior high school where I talked, uh, I caught a touchdown pass that won the city championship. Yes. Well, there was one girl in my class that uh, every time she saw me in the hall, she would run up and put her arms around. Oh, she noticed you doing that. (laughs) uh, When we, um, they gave us a banquet for winning the city championship. Yes. And we were supposed to take a date. And uh, she more or less forced herself on me. Oh. And uh, I, I took her to the, to the <laughs> dance. <laughs> That's so funny. So you took her to the dance. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so let's see. And we talked about college and football. And so let me ask you, um, once you got out of college and you started working and everything and you had your family, um, how did you support your family? Um, I know Suzanne was telling me you worked several jobs at once. Yes. Uh, well, uh, I was teaching school. Uh, the first job I had was in Pearsall, Texas mm-hmm. as a assistant coach. And during the summer, I went back to Memphis and I worked at a packing company. Okay. Uh, Meatpacking company, Armor. Uh, and I worked for them all summer long. Then, uh, the next year I went back to Pearsall and taught school there. And I ran the, we had a swimming pool at school. And I oh. ran it on the side in the September uh, and part of October. Uh, okay. just that for the town to come uh, and swim. Oh, and uh, that's then nice. in the spring. And then after that first, second year at uh, Pearsall, I uh, got a job in Memphis, Tennessee at Tech mm-hmm. High School. And at Tech High School, I taught world history and American history. Oh. No physical education. They didn't have a big enough school. Oh, no. But uh, uh, I did a little bit better job with my teaching because I was, you know, I say in the classroom and I set me a schedule about what I was going to teach you and mm-hmm. carried on with it pretty well and did a pretty good job. Then in uh, 1959, I transferred from Tech High School to Memphis, uh, to Fraser High School. There okay. In and uh, there I taught to uh, uh, civics and geography. Oh, okay. And uh, they had a, a ninth grade math class that I had taught for uh, one year in Pearsall, 
to help out and I liked it. And they oh. were having real trouble keeping the teacher because that math, that, that uh, math class was the kids that weren't going to take algebra and didn't plan on going to college. But oh, okay. I was a, let's say a strict discipli disciplinarian. Oh, okay. So, uh, so you got after them. <laughs> I, I volunteered. I asked the principal, why are we having so many problems in that math class? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, just they're not going to college. They're just trying to be, uh, complete their diploma. Yes. And they're kind of a discipline problem. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'd like to try that class. Oh, uh, it was I a could. challenge. And then he said, well, next year I'll give you one class. Mm -hmm. And if you do okay, then we'll turn it over to you. Oh. Well, I took that class and I set it up in the uh, in the book at the beginning. It had what they called uh, inventory tests, mm -hmm. and the, it were, there were thirteen questions, mm -hmm. and they all had to do with a section in the book. Okay. So I gave my class that. Uh, inventory test for three days mm -hmm. then i went back and checked uh and see where they were missing the most problems and i set my schedule up where i developed more time to their weaknesses to those. and uh nice the, uh, second year i taught the course my my class made a higher score than any other math class oh. in the City. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Even the classes that were at the school, the other classes, the other math class. Wow. That is yeah. insane. What a nice. Tickles to death. Was it that. nice to see the transformation in the students oh, and their yes, attitudes yes. and everything? I, I found out the easiest way to keep kids busy is to give them something to do. Mm -hmm. And in my math class, kids had a grade every day. Oh. And that way, in a six-week period, if you had uh, 30 grades, mm -hmm. a zero didn't bother you very much. But if you only had six or eight grades and you got a zero, mm -hmm. this kills you. So that's uh, true. I set that up and was very strict with it. And um, it probably gave them a little more motivation because they had their grades weren't as bad because yeah. they a zero didn't just kill them. Probably mm -hmm. gave them more confidence that way. Then after five years at uh, Fraser, I got out of coaching for a year mm -hmm. and uh, opened a drive-in grocery store. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> my drive-in grocery store was doing real good. Uh, we had uh, my ex-father-in-law was an oil oil dealer and had five filling stations, mm. and uh, I had worked at every one of them. And uh, my brother-in-law had taken one of the grease bins at a station and converted it to a drive-in grocery store. Oh, that's so cool! So they asked me, I said, "Why don't you do that with uh, this other station?" So mm -hmm. I did, and. Uh, I'm kind of muley about a lot of things, <laughs> and uh, I got the... You have to tell me what that means. <laughs> Slow about things, or what does that mean? Hard-headed. Hard-headed. Oh, okay. Stubborn. <laughs> well, I know that. I just didn't know what that, but I know you're that. <laughs> so, uh, 
I set up this drive in grocery store, and at uh, nine months, I was making money in my grocery store. Oh, wow. And everybody had told me it takes, if you can break even in five years, mm -hmm. you're doing great. Well, I was really doing good with my grocery store, and I had a, a man that worked in the morning mm -hmm. while I went to school, and then I had a fireman that helped me uh, some days and then on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so Aww. I was doing real, real good. Uh, but my father-in-law was, uh, well, almost as muley as I was. <laughs> uh, one day he came in and uh, the, the guy that was working for me, the fireman, uh, was doing something and my father-in-law got after him mm -hmm. and uh, bust at him and uh, uh, the kid didn't like it, and I didn't either because he wasn't his employee. So uh, my father-in-law came to me and said, you've got to fire that guy. Oh. I said, no, why? <laughs> and he told me what happened. I said, well, Mr. Moonis, he's been great for me and doing everything just right, and I can't let him go. Well, you'll either fire him or I'll buy you out. Oh. <laughs> so when you said you'd buy me out, I said, fire my daddy. Because, like I say, I was teaching in school, too. Yeah, and you had plenty going on. Yeah. So uh, I sold out to him. Oh. And uh, did nothing for a, a year and a half, uh, you know, extra besides teaching school. Yeah. And uh, I got to uh, mess around and didn't do a good job. And uh, finally, I... Uh, uh, divorced my first wife. Okay. Mainly because of her father buying my grocery store out. There. Yes. So again, my oldest brother came to my rescue. <laughs> he was living in San Antonio at that time. And I told him about what had happened. And he said, well, uh, I'll look, talk to the athletic director here in San Antonio and see if I can get you a job down here. Okay. So uh, sure enough, he did. And mm -hmm. got me a job at Whittier Junior High School, and I left Memphis and divorced my wife, mm -hmm. and uh, went down and lived with him. And uh, while I was there, uh, I married Charlene. Okay. And uh, got her to come down. And where did you meet her at? Well, at Greg School in Memphis. Oh, I okay. And uh, so she was a teacher as well, yeah. right? Okay. And, uh, so uh, I went to San Antonio and taught at Whittier Junior High School for a year, and that was our, my only year, really, in uh, coaching junior high school kids. And I had some great big kids, oh. and they wouldn't buy the biscuit. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I heard that Harlandale, was, their coach was going to retire after oh. that, and he was a real good baseball man. So mm -hmm. I went out and camped on Harlandale's doorstep, you know, oh. <laughs> and I handed him so much that uh, Corky Nelson mm -hmm. uh, hired me as his baseball coach. Oh, wow. football coach. So we had a mediocre football year. wasn't real great, but... Uh, then when I started baseball, Harlandale had was the defending district champions, and oh, okay. uh, there were uh, eleven coaches on our staff, mm. but I was the only baseball coach. Oh. Well, Harlandale being so nice, since I was a new coach, 
They mm-hmm. gave me a pair of baseball shoes to oh. Well, I had not worn baseball shoes before. I always wore smooth sole shoes. Oh, okay. Well, the second day of February, stepping forward, hitting infield with my team, I twisted the, frayed the inside cartilage on my left leg. Oh. When you fray a cartilage, you're supposed to have it operated on right away. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't because, like I said, I was the only baseball coach, and I was just the getting only one. started. So I had to go from uh, the second day of February to Thanksgiving before I could have my uh, leg operated on. Oh, no. I, I couldn't coach football the next year, so I had to give it up. And um, oh. I had my knee operated on uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving because we didn't get sick leave in the teaching profession. Oh, wow. So uh, that's terrible. I only missed three days, Mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then we were out for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, So I got operated on and I was going (laughs) to graduate school at the Lake. Was that working on your master's, right? You and your wife. Charlene, y'all were both working on it, right? No, she didn't go to uh, St. Oh, okay. And uh, I. uh, Took six hours at, at, at St. Mary's, and uh, since I couldn't uh, coach anymore, mm-hmm. I lost fifteen hundred dollars salary. Oh no! Supplement. Well, Charlene and I got to looking around. We both wanted to get our master's degree, mm-hmm. so we thought, well, let's go up around the Dallas area. They play more more up there than yes. they do down here. So we went up and. It, interviewed at several school districts and we went to Irving School District. Okay. And Irving was at that time just trying to get their coaches out of PE because they said if they worked hard in PE all day, they didn't do a good job in coaching. And mm-hmm. that was their most important job was coaching. <laughs> so I had a good job at the Crockett uh, Junior High School in Irving. Okay. And Charlene got a job up there at a new uh, elementary school they had just opened. Oh, that's so nice. The Irving is the suburb of Dallas. Okay, I thought and, it was uh, Texas. Okay. So uh, I had a principal that was really a great guy. We really hit it off from the very first day. And uh, his name was Bali T. Coyle. Okay. And, uh, I asked Mr. Coyle while we were, I was interviewing, well, I had been hired. Mm-hmm. I was just interviewing, looking around the school, and uh, she was showing me all my facilities and everything. <laughs> and uh, I asked him, I said, Mr. Coyle, what kind of a budget do I have? Mm-hmm. He said, you get a dollar for every kid in school. And we had about $1,000, thousand kids in school. Mm-hmm. I said, fine, Mr. Cole, because I'm going to spend every bit of it. <laughs> I said, you, I had looked at the uh, uh, PE equipment board and it was terrible. Oh, said, no. You can't teach PE unless you've got something for the kids to do. One volleyball for 10 kids. Is no, that's not enough. A softball for uh 
and you see in his line of good. Mm -hmm. So I went to work right away. Oh. In my uh, equipment in my school. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I started working on my schedules. Oh, well, yes. Here comes the schedules again. <laughs> the guy that I had working with me lived on two things he had to have. Mm -hmm. Cigarette, a cup of coffee, and a telephone. Oh, <laughs> and I about drove myself crazy for two years working with him trying oh. to get things done. Because you were so rigid, scheduled, and yeah, he was just probably and, uh, whatever. That <laughs> and he, had, uh, he had been over at the high school uh, teaching PE over there, but they had. Uh, whole lot of men in the high school PE department that they didn't need because mm -hmm. they weren't doing anything. Yeah, Stan was just a gopher. Uh, they go get me a cup of coffee, go get mm -hmm. it, and that's all he did. So every time we'd start something, he'd say, boy, I hope you know something about that. I don't know anything. <laughs> and man, oh, Lord. Me. So I, I struggled with it for two years. Yes, it. that's and a mess. he finally left because uh idiot got a uh word that the new high school if you were head of a department you got a thousand dollars extra mm. and uh so we, and we didn't have a head of the department of crockett at that mm -hmm. time so he uh uh was in with the new principal because he had taught with him at the high school mm -hmm. so he left me and, uh, you weren't too upset about that, though, were you? What? You weren't too upset to see him go. Okay. Named Freddie Fox, mm -hmm. and Fred was a uh, a hard worker, and he okay. fell in with my program. Right oh, away. good. And, uh, we got along real good because oh, we could co teach. Right. We're doing in softball. If I were working with the infielders, he'd work with the outfielders. Mm -hmm. And it was up that way in every sport. And uh, we got got it good, going real good. And we set up a slide program mm -hmm. about our complete physical education from beginning of the year to the end. Okay. And uh, we would take that to conventions uh, to show it there what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1977, our physical education department was named a demonstration center for the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sport. Oh, wow. Only eight of them in the United States. Oh, wow. So, we carried that on, and I mean, we uh, we had a real, real good program. That and is we nice. Had equipment you wouldn't believe. So started off with nothing, and then had all the nice equipment. Yeah, it sounds like everywhere you went throughout your life, pretty much that you worked at or played in sports, that it started off, you know, like it wasn't going well, and then you'd have it. You yeah. just turn things around. It yeah. sounds like. What well, do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Um, was the main thing that got you to turn things around like that? Well, I just uh, decided that, you know, uh, students, if you keep them busy, mm -hmm. they can't be trouble. Right. So I had to have something to do mm -hmm. to keep them busy, just like my math classes. So uh, that's what the reason I worked it. And that's great. And drilled 
figured out how we were going to run each sport. And uh, what was your motivation? And and when you played football, or when you turned these um, these math classes around in the PE department, and what was your motivation? Why do you think you worked so hard? Your main motivator? Just to show people what I could. Do. That's good. Uh, Self satisfaction. Right. <laughs> and I know that. Uh, I hadn't been real motivated in high school. Mm -hmm. school. What do you think just snapped to get you to be that way? I saw how hard I had worked to get where I Mm -hmm. was, and I thought I'm going to make it a little easier for these kids. Oh, that's nice. If they know what to do, Mm -hmm. they'll do it. Well, that's not selfish at all. If they don't know what to do, that's what you'll have some trouble. Well, that's nice. That's not selfish at all, though. It sounds like, you know, you started off wanting to prove people wrong and, you know, prove that you could do these things, and then you turned that over to the kids. You wanted to let them prove to themselves they could. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I've got some questions to ask you just kind of um, about you and some things since you've lived here for so long on this earth, longer than me, longer than a lot of people have. Um, What... Um, a few questions. Maybe you could give us some advice on some things. Um, so what are some standards and rules that you go by in life? I know you have some little things that you go by. Yeah, just a, I set a schedule for myself, just like I would anybody else, mm-hmm. and try to adhere to that schedule just mm-hmm. the best I can. Because to me, if you want to get anything done, you have to work at it. And uh, it's just like if you're going to build a house, mm-hmm. you've got plans to do to start with the foundation and work on up. So uh, I just tried to set goals for myself, excuse me, that would cause me to set goals for my students. Mm-hmm. And that uh, being named the demonstration center was uh, the highlight of my career oh that is nice that's a big and to start off you know from from it being so small and no equipment to being the demonstration center and you said there were how many eight eight in the united states States. that's so that was the highlight of your career now you've got some other what other standards and rules do you go by because i know you have a schedule every day still right every day yes right Uh, set your schedule Adhere to it just as best you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, even if you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. go ahead on with it. For instance, uh, today, uh, everything I do is the same. Mm-hmm. I get up in the morning, I have a, a little set of exercises that uh, uh, home nurses taught me when I had my knee operation. Yes. And so I go, uh, it takes me about 10 minutes to do those. Then I get up, get dressed, mm-hmm. uh, and, and ready to come downstairs. And when I come down, I go right to the weight room. Mm-hmm. And I got a 45-minute exercise program I do there. Nothing heavy, but just right. enough to keep going. And, and that's amazing. And let me remind y'all, he is 92. Okay. And I haven't worked out forever. And I know a lot of us haven't, but he's 92. And every day, straight to the workout room. Same thing. Does that help you getting straight there? Nowhere else, just straight there? Does that help you kind of not? Just keep it. I'm not working uh, real heavy weight mm-hmm. to build muscles. Yeah. I just want to keep myself fit. That's nice. How long have you worked out every morning like that? Has that been a lifelong thing? Uh, ever since. Uh, 
I've quite poetry. Oh, wow. Uh, How many years would that be? Well, I've been, uh, let's see, I retired in 90. It's been 30 years. <laughs> every day. Have you yeah. ever missed days? Yeah. Every, I try to work out six days a week, mm -hmm. but I don't let other things interfere with my workout. I'm still pretty well set on uh, getting them done. That's amazing. Let me ask you this, because I know I struggle with this. A lot of people my age, well, really everybody does, but days where you have your schedule or you have your goals and things that you want to do um, throughout your life when you had those things set aside, on a day that you wake up and you're just like, I don't feel like doing this, I don't want to do this, what did you do to do get it. past that? You I just do, do it. it. <laughs> I don't let anything stand in my way. That's Except, great. Uh, sometimes. Suzanne has some uh, some kind of trip to take that right. we need to do, and, and that's different. That's yeah. like you have to do that. Right. So that's. But what do you? And I know you have those days where you don't feel like doing it, but you still do it. I still do it. Do you just tell yourself, "Nope, we're just." <laughs> when the clock goes off, uh, when I punch that button to turn it off, I'm exercising. That's nice. Yeah. See, that is such great advice because that's really the simplest way. Just do it. I mean, yeah, there's. Just, no, just, just like Nike. <laughs> Don't put anything in place of it. Just you've got your goals. Mm -hmm. Fulfill them. Do your job and go ahead on. Do you, let me ask you this because I know I sometimes, and maybe other people too, I try to do, there'll be too much in one day and I end up getting overwhelmed. Do you try to do like just a few things a day or how do you make it manageable? After I work out, I eat breakfast mm -hmm. and I do whatever Suzanne wants mm -hmm. does. Painting, repairing, uh, Pricing things for her booth out at the antique. That's um, amazing. And, just and you like to do things. Yeah. You like to have something to yeah. do and, and uh, go places. Since she's uh, got me on this crutch, uh, I mean, this cane, mm -hmm. uh, fell in, the, in front of her one day and mm -hmm. she decided that I couldn't do anything anymore. So she went and got me a cane. Now I can't carry anything i can't do anything for right uh, and a lot of times i just sit around during the day but when i do if i say uh, every two hours i'll get up and go back to the weight room and ride the bicycle oh course. that's nice uh, make it 100 pedals oh isn't uh, that nice see look how rigid and structured that is. <laughs> that's yeah. that and you have something to go by you yeah. know to do that um do you have any like i know do you have any kind of we talked about like standards and rules physically that you have. Do you have any, you know, I know Suzanne said you don't like complaining, you don't complain, any other things like that? Well, just if, if you've got a job to do, I, I like it. Go mm -hmm. ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. uh, don't like to whine or anything like that. No complaining. Just get your job done. Other people have more problems than you do. Mm -hmm. So just go ahead and Grin and bury. That's nice. great. That's great. I love that. Do you now let me see? I've got some more questions. Um, let's see here. And you taught me a new word today, muley. I wrote that down. Never heard that. What? Muley, you muley. taught me a new word. <laughs> that's is funny, and that's I'll have to use that. Let me see. I've got some more questions, just some kind of things. I've got some deeper questions coming up, but these are kind of just things I want to know. So in your 92 years on earth. What is your favorite book that you've ever read? The best book you've ever read? I'm curious. Pride of the Yankees. Pride of the Yankees. That was your. Was that your first, first book? book? Oh, and that's the best one. Yes. 
Well, I love that. The second best, I guess. Well, uh, Tim Tebow. Oh, I knew you liked I his book. Three of Tim Tebow's books. Oh. And every one of them have a very definite, definite message to you. Mm -hmm. And then I have uh, Nick Saban's. Uh, football book from Alabama. Okay. We can't talk about him in Tennessee, Frank. I'm just joking. <laughs> How good do you want to be? That's good. So a lot of sports books are your favorite. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because you love sports. Let me ask you this. Um, do you have a favorite song um, ever? Your favorite song you that know, you ever I, heard? I had uh, heard this song a long time ago, and I was trying to find the... Uh, the, on a record someplace, and I thought the name of the song was Be Mine. Okay. And it was by Roy Clark. Okay. And I looked all over, and I never could find one that oh. said that. So I was in a little antique store in Mississippi. We'd gone down to visit least, and we were looking around in there, and I found uh Roy Clark record. Okay. And I looked on it, but it didn't say be mine. So I took <laughs> it up to the man that ran the store and I said, uh, I told him about what I was looking for. And I said, I hadn't found it in the place, mm -hmm. but I'm going to take this Roy Clark record and maybe it'll be on there. Okay. So the man said, Well, you can have that record. Oh. And I said, Thank you. So I came home and I started playing it, mm -hmm. and sure enough, I found the song on there. Oh. But it wasn't being <laughs> It's Come Live With Me. Oh, and that's quite a difference. It is. Come uh, Live With Me. I'll have to check. what every young man should ask every young woman that he wants to marry. Oh. In fact, I'll let you listen to it. I'll have to listen to it. We'll have to tell Curtis he needs to listen to that. <laughs> Should let every young, oh, that's so, so it's a good courting song or when you're wanting to marry somebody. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to tell him to listen. I love that. And let me ask you this. I got favorite, okay, favorite song, favorite book. What, do you have a favorite quote ever? Quote? Yes, that you've heard, you know, a famous quote or something you've heard somebody you know say. <laughs> <laughs> this is complicated. Okay. Remember, the main thing mm -hmm. is to keep the main thing the main thing. I like that, though. I get it. <laughs> say that one more time for the us. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Where'd you hear that at? I, I have no idea. I like it's, that. Uh, her. I like Where that a lot. Did I hear that? And I that's a very know. frank quote. I, that <laughs> sums up your whole, like everything that you believe, I feel like, everything that you told us, that's great. I like that. Yeah. And it seems like you have followed that quote yeah. throughout your life. That's good. All right, Frank, I've got one more favorite thing to ask you about. What is your favorite sport? Professional baseball. Professional, professional baseball. And I'll tell you how I got real interested in it. Okay. When I played on this championship football team in junior high school, mm -hmm. my best friend on the team was Bob Wood. 
Okay. Well, Bob and I have been best friends until he died here recently. Oh. When I uh, moved to Irving, mm -hmm. I got back in touch with Bob. Hadn't been in touch with him for a long time. And he was a professional golfer at the uh, Greater Southwest Golf Course in Grand oh. Prairie. And uh, we got together one day and uh, we visited and everything. And uh, he uh, warned me to ask me if I played golf. And I said, no, Bob, I don't, just don't care anything about it. <laughs> and he said, well, you don't drink beer. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said, well, you like baseball? I said, certainly I like baseball. <laughs> he said, well, I tell you, at my golf course, when the visiting teams come in to play the Rangers, a lot of them want to play golf during the day. So they come over at my club and I mm -hmm. let them play. And I even have clubs they can borrow. And to reciprocate, they give me tickets to the ball game. Oh, nice. And he said, uh, my wife has been going with me a lot, but mm -hmm. she's getting tired of it. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> he said, uh, why don't you go by yourself? And so he said, would you like to go to the ball game? I said, sure, I would. Yeah. Well, we got to go in quite a bit, mm -hmm. and we met. Oh, we sat down right by the ranger dugout. Oh. We met a lot of the ball players, and uh, that's nice. Charlene got tired of me going to the ball game, and she said, "Well, if you're going to go, why don't we buy season tickets?" Oh, and I said, "Very good, let's do it." <laughs> and so for eight years, oh. we had tickets to the Rangers. Oh. And we even traveled on the road with them. We, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Darlene and I have been in every American League baseball park. Oh my then, goodness. When we uh, retired from teaching school, we moved mm -hmm. to Houston. Well, Art Howe, who had been the first base coach for the Rangers, was the manager of the uh, Astros. And so okay. we just lived a block from him there in Houston. So we oh. got to go into the uh, Houston Astro game. And the Astros at that time had a lot of players mm -hmm. that had played for the uh, Rangers. Rangers. Okay. So we got free tickets from there. Oh. And for four years, five years, we followed the uh, Astros and did the same thing. Oh, on, that's on, cool. Uh, road and stuff like that. And we got to know so many ball players, oh. especially with the Rangers. If we were out of town with them and uh, we happened to be downtown, if we saw a ball player, if I was by myself, his immediately question was, Where's Charlene? Oh, that's so and sweet. If, <laughs> if she was by herself, they said, Where's Frank? Oh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we just had such a great uh, That's so nice. It was great. And How fun. And she liked baseball, too, a lot, yeah, obviously, yeah, to go yeah, to all those really. games. Isn't that sweet? And how many memories? I mean, all those great memories. And, oh, yeah. and, oh that's uh, so nice. You know, we've been to uh, two World Series. Oh, my we, goodness. We've never been to an All-Star game. We want to, but uh, we didn't have an opportunity. To go to but, that. Uh, but two have, World Series, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. more important than All-Star, am I right? That's a, that's nice. good friends with a lot of the players. Oh. They call you uh, by your name and they recognize you 
whenever you're with someplace. And we found out that if the ball players have confidence in mm-hmm. you, you're in good standing. Right. But if you do something to doubt their trust in you, you're on the outside looking in. So we saw a lot of professional baseball players mm-hmm. that had girlfriends in every town. Oh. And we never said a word. Yeah, and to keep your mouth shut yeah. on that. <laughs> what stays there? You don't want to get in their business. Yeah. Well, that's nice. I love that. Y'all went everywhere. That's nice. So was that the passion? Would you say that's your, what would you say your biggest passion is in life or has been? Your biggest passion ever. I'm trying. Well, I I guess. You have a lot of them. Yeah, I did. Uh, being a good husband at the same time around and That's doing great. what you're supposed to do and taking care, taking care of business is the main that thing. That is nice. Yeah, so. Let me ask you this because so many people are in relationships that are listening or will be one day. And your marriage, you know, your second marriage, um, how did you make that? What do you think? How did it stay together so long? We worked together better, than, a whole lot better than uh, we, my wife, my first mm-hmm. wife and I did. I was coaching at one school. She was a cheerleader sponsor mm-hmm. at another school. And I was always gone here and she mm-hmm. was always gone there. And uh, Charlene and I were different. We uh, Going to the baseball games helped us a whole lot. Oh, it sounds like we it. We developed that interest in there. And y'all had so much fun there together. Oh, yeah. And, uh, That's sweet. Say, we went uh, after uh, we moved to the uh, Irving area, mm-hmm. we went to SMU and got our master's degree. Together. Together. Isn't that and sweet? So a team. Together. And then for a, a graduation present, we gave ourselves a trip to Europe. Isn't and that we nice? We for 23 days Ooh. and just really had a ball. That is so. How old were y'all? Oh, let's see. That was uh, 29, 39, 49, <laughs> Count down the year. About 50. Y'all were, okay. Yeah. Oh, that is so sweet. Going to Europe. How nice. For 23 days, that's almost a month. Yeah. Now, was that, that was great, I bet. How nice. Yeah. Really had a good time, and we Very made some sweet. real interesting good friends on oh. that trip. And uh, is that your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Yes. Oh, because there's so many different things to see. You know, when you're going to a different, we were moving around quite a bit, Exploring. and we saw so many different things that, that is you, so nice. You just wouldn't see everything uh, every day. That's nice. I really like that. That's really nice. Well, ask you your, what your biggest passion was. And let me ask you this. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. Okay. Um, so, obviously, you've been through a lot of events that have happened, you know, historically and big moments that have happened. Um, what is the biggest one that stands out in your mind that you can remember? The one that just first comes to your mind? Well, I guess it was going to the first World Series mm-hmm. uh, when we went to see uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. Oh, World okay. World Series. Who won that World Series? Kansas City. Kansas City yeah. did. Uh, that's the one that uh, 
one umpire made one bad call that mm-hmm. cost St. Louis the, the series in that thing. But, uh, and, uh, that's a big uh, deal. Yeah. And meeting, yes, that's a meeting so many different people that you along the way. Along yeah. the way. How fun. So many people. And there's some things that happened that, you know, I wasn't here for. Some people were that will be listening, but you were born in the Great Depression, but you yeah. said you were too young to remember that, right? Yeah. What other kind of, um, let's see, do you remember where you were when JFK was assassinated? Do you remember what you were yes, doing? I do. I was in, in civics class in Fraser High School in Memphis, Tennessee. Teaching. Teaching, yes. Okay, so you remember. Yeah. What about, well, we all remember 9-11. What were you doing there, 9-11? I uh, was a... Uh, rehabilitating a knee at that time okay. and I was out walking on the street and I came back I was just about home when the lady next door in her car Judy Jowler stopped and asked me what do you think about that I said what she said that airplane running into the one of the towers mm-hmm. I said I've never heard of, I've never heard of it I'm going in now and listen to the news and, right. I, and I was just Thoroughly amazed mm-hmm. at that thing. At that. That was crazy. I remember where I was, and you didn't even know because you were outside. No, <laughs> so I that was it happened. Working. I didn't know it happened. Yeah. That ha- what other, are there any other like huge events that stand out to you from the history that have happened that you maybe remember what you were doing at that time? Kind of like, you know, the JFK assassination or 9 11, big moments like that. Was there anything else? No. Uh, in the world, the war, you were probably too young to well, remember yeah, that. Well, yeah, I was uh, uh, too young when uh, remember that. that. We were uh, still living in San Antonio mm-hmm. when we moved to Corpus after that happened. And I was uh, something I was really amazed at was the, the Japanese having that audacity to, to bomb Pearl Harbor. Yes. Do you remember where you were when that happened? I was just. Uh, uh, it was just before Christmas. We were in San Antonio still at mm-hmm. that time, living at 703 Highland Boulevard. Oh, you remember? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody got there or anything. That's all that. <laughs> wow, I bet you were amazed to have seen that was happening. I bet it was all over the new, all over the TV. Yeah. Was it all over? And one other was a. Uh, when they dropped the first atomic bomb. Yes, I was going to imagine it doing so much destruction. And, um, How did you feel about that? Well, I just said, well, that's a good way to end the war. Yeah. But it's a shame that so many people had to die. That's true. Uh, for them to do it. I can't even imagine. I seen something about it the other day about the atomic bomb, and I thought, I can't imagine how I'd feel if that happened in my lifetime. You know, that's crazy. It hasn't happened since then, you know, but I hope it doesn't happen, you know. And since we're talking about that kind of stuff, um, a good question, especially everything going on in the world right now, it seems so scary, and we've got plague, you know, illness, and Afghanistan, all that going on. And when do you, so many of us, like I'm worried, people my age are worried, scared, because we've never lived anything like this before, but you have, in a way. So what do you, you know, what do you think about all this going on? I'm worried to death. You know, it seems like our country is split right now. Mm-hmm. We got on the west coast, Mm-hmm. The forest fires yes. that are eating things up. On the 
southeast coast, we've got the flood, the hurricane, mm -hmm. and up the middle of the country, we've got the COVID virus, and it's just three bad things. Yes, and, uh, if we could just put the hurricane over with the forest fire. Yes, <laughs> blow them out and get them washed out. <laughs> yeah, we might be able to survive. It is like a scary. But I am real concerned about people in the United States not paying attention to what the experts mm -hmm. are saying. That's if true. If the experts say wear a mask and get a shot, I'm going to wear a mask mm -hmm. and get a shot. And I don't understand people that don't do it. Exactly. And he's a smart man. He's been here 92 years now. I might want to listen to him. He didn't get here. I know you went to the doctor and you took care of yourself physically and mentally. And that's important to live to be this age. And people that, you know, don't want to, that's, you know, kind of scary because you do have to, you do have to take preventative measures and, and you have to go to the doctor. You have to listen to the experts and take care of yourself. I was wondering how you felt about that. Let me ask you something else. It has nothing to do with that. But what do you think about all the technology today? I had to know. What do you think? Does it just, I know you've adapted to it. You use technology. But is it just too much for you? Is it excess or? I think it's great. Oh. People would just pay attention to what's going on. Right? Yes. And I can't understand this. Uh, you're not going to tell me to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. You're not going to tell me to take a mm -hmm. shot. I won't do it. And uh, I get the real angry about I understand. Like when these guys are experts. They mm -hmm. know what they're talking about. They've done, and I tell you this: there are over six hundred thousand American corpses lying in the hospital in the mm -hmm. graveyards that wish they had paid attention to what. That's very true. And I don't know how many more it's going to take. That's or the we, ones that didn't get the opportunity to get the vaccine, you know, before you, uh, it come out. You read, you read on the news. All those that are in the hospital, 90% of them were not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Other people are going to the shelves and buying some uh, medicine for cows. And I poultry. know. And listen, the, I saw the that. virus is shot in fleas. Mm -hmm. I know. Why would people go buy I think just something? fear and the bad thing about technology is you've got a lot of, you know, different opinions going around and yeah. people see that and get scared, I think. And that's the one bad part of technology is that, you know, before when they had other vaccines, you didn't have all that misinformation yeah. or different kind of opinions going around. And now they see all this stuff and they get scared. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing about I really wish people wouldn't be able to post anything about it, period, on Facebook yeah. or anything like that, because that makes it get people hesitant yes. to do it. But I'm glad you say that. That's, I mean, I also agree with you on that. I know a lot of people don't, and I understand how they're a choice to do it, but, you know, it is a, a wise choice. Yeah. And this is coming from a wise man who's lived a long time, so y'all listen to that. <laughs> now, this has a little bit of a different tune to it. Um, what has given you hope throughout your life? Because this podcast is about hope, and I know there's people that are struggling um, that maybe listen to this right now, and they may think they may not want to go on with their life, or they may feel stuck, or they may be depressed about things. So what has given you hope throughout your life? Well, just uh, the fact that I'm 92 years old, yes. and that 
as long as I keep taking care of myself and mm -hmm. keeping active and doing things like that, I might live to be a hundred. You might. That's yeah. great. So, and what about times when you were younger and you had those struggles? How did you get through them then? You know, real hard times in your life. Well, a lot of, like I say, my oldest brother has been a great inspiration to me on two different occasions. Mm -hmm. First, getting me in Memphis, mm -hmm. and second, getting me the job in San Antonio. That's great. me going, and finally getting me straightened out. You might Seems say. like both times that you were having a hard time, there he was to help you. Was, and what was uh, his name? Theron T-H-E-R-O-L-D. Oh, I've never heard that name. No, you and you might live to be a hundred and not hear it again. And never hear it again. I know. I had never heard it before. Oh. So was he your biggest, you know, role model kind of influence yeah. as far? Oh, I love that. Because he, uh, he got out of high school. He had a chance to go to college. Mm -hmm. He was a football player. Had a chance to go to college, but uh, he decided to go to work uh, first, and he went into this what they call the NYA program, mm -hmm. National Youth Association that President Roosevelt has set up. Okay. He worked at that uh, for about two years and did such a good job. <laughs> he became an inspector and he had to inspect these planes while they were flying. Mm -hmm. and oh, a, wow. He was really a nice guy. And he made friends with the pilots, and they taught him how mm -hmm. to fly. Oh, wow, isn't and that cool? Went, when he went into the Air Force, he was the first one to solo in his uh, group. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, what a role model he was. Yeah, and and uh, Real good to you, it sounded like. Yeah. Real good man. Oh, that's great. Now, um, let's see. What um, most important, what are some of the most important life lessons that you have learned? I know you tell me a few of them. Um, what stands out as the most important life lesson that you've learned? Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, mm -hmm. the way you're supposed to do it. And again, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I like that. <laughs> That's good. That's what's got you through life. It sounds like. Um, okay. Um, well, this question, besides this interview today, um, what has been the highlight of your life? I'm just joking about the interview. <laughs> well, <laughs> but what has been the highlight of your life? Uh, I did well. In sports, I guess it was winning the baseball championship at Harlandale oh. High School in San Antonio. The second was being named the demonstration center for oh. physical fitness on sports. Those two things. Uh, what else have I accomplished? Well, that's amazing, though. That's amazing. That was a highlight. That's amazing. And I'm sure Charlene was a big highlight in your life, oh, yeah. being married yeah. to her. She helped straighten me out. Oh. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. Um, and then one of the last questions I have, well, I do have one. I have a little funny question, but who has been your favorite president so far? I'm just curious because you've lived Franklin through. Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah. And why was he your favorite? He got more done for this country than anybody else ever had. Wow. What he said he was going to do, he did it. He kept the people working. Uh, he kept uh, 
things moving right along. He did a lot of employment, employment, improvements in the United States. For oh. instance, in San Antonio, when I lived there, he widened all the streets in San Antonio. That's he nice. built Alamo Stadium. He built the River Walk. They got oh. it all funded up and all by the WPA program. Okay. And that was fantastic. The world could have, United States could have gone to pot right there. Right. And he, I think he did a great job. Oh, that's great. And I don't know anything about him. I've got to learn about him. I know a little bit, but nothing, you know, I wasn't here then. <laughs> but I, I need to learn about him. That's awesome. I was curious. It made me think about it. We were talking about a president or something, so I had to ask about it. Now, is there anything that you would like to do that you have not done yet? Any kind of place you'd like to go or any kind of something like, you'd like to do? I would do? like to go to uh, Greece. Greece. And, uh, that part of the country over there. Oh, uh, I've heard it's beautiful there. I've been all over South America and oh. say Europe and uh yeah, that would be some place I'd like to go to see uh, the early part of civilization. Right. Over there. That would be nice. I've heard it's beautiful. Well, those are my questions for you. Is there anything else? We have about 10 minutes. Is there anything else that you wanted to say to anybody or tell about in the last 10 minutes or any kind of hope that you want to give? We talked about, you know, your rules and kind of what you've lived by. Keep to the task, though the pace seems slow, mm -hmm. you might succeed with one more blow. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's very true. I like that. And it's hard. You know, you're very motivated and, you know, very self-motivated, it seems like, on your own. And so you said you weren't always this way no. when you were in high school, right? Well, and, and I wasn't motivated in elementary school at mm -hmm. all. And not a whole lot in high school, but then as the years went along, we got a little bit more that way. That's nice. Um, well, that's great. And any kind of, um, let's see, any other like personal, I know you said about being motivated. Are there any other things that can help people to live a happy life emotionally, like, you know, not complaining? Well, <laughs> just like I said. If the pace seems slow, you mm -hmm. might succeed with one more blow. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. No matter how you bad it is. That's right. Because it can always turn around. You never know what can happen the next day even. Right. Or, you know, that's great. And I really like what you said about just doing it. Yeah. You know, not, you know, just do it even though you don't want to. Do that it. really is the best thing I think to do that I have found too so I'm going to remember that <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to this to get some advice well thank you Frank and it has been so nice to interview you and thank well, you oh and I love hearing about your life and I know everybody else will want to so thank you so much for answering our questions too <laughs> you're welcome and I appreciate the opportunity oh thank you and I'm glad you guys got to hear Frank and hear about his life he has seen so much and been through so much and it's crazy I mean I can't even imagine some of the things that he's lived through that have happened in the world and just he's been so self-motivated and strong and you know just really never stopped and still hasn't stopped and that's great. We can all learn from this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. And all right, guys, I'll see you guys next time.